Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Colin, skier, runner, and passionate cyclist. After suffering a heart attack, though, and alert to the fact that still all wasn't well, he remained persistent in discovering the reason which ultimately led to further heart surgery. I could have just accepted that that was my new world. And in fact, that was the challenge that I was I kept going back to cardiologists with. It. Is this my new world? But to insist to get the stress test, I think that was the key to unlocking it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be back to, to where I am now for, for certain. You know, make sure you do understand your body and you, you know what, what, what might be in there. And, and insist if you're not feeling right, don't ignore it. Don't let the ego take over. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Colin, a keen all-round athlete, emphasises the importance of listening to your body. And despite, as in his case, experiencing heart surgery, to always be insistent in finding a reason if the physical signs indicate all still isn't well. Colin, how important is it to you personally to be able to tell your story? Yeah, Rob, it's, it's really important. Um, and the reason why it's important to me is because there are a few key things that happened um, before I had my heart attack that, you know, if I had my time again, I'd probably do differently um, and, and maybe sort of avoided, um, best case scenario, avoided the, the incident itself. Tell me more about yourself. Well, I'm 55 now, um, uh, still still trying to be 25, um, <laughs> married, uh, got grandchildren, um, working hard in the telecommunications industry, although not as hard as I once did work, but don't, don't tell my employer that. Um, and uh, yeah, I always wanted to um, stay as fit as possible. Not not an elite athlete, but, but I try and chase elite athletes in whatever, whatever sport I'm, I'm attempting mainly these days cycling and running. And you've enjoyed a pretty active career background, haven't you? Yes, yeah. I mean, I started life in the, in the army, um, 10 years um, in the army, and um, probably if you asked any of my colleagues, um, mostly doing sport, whether it was skiing or, or, or athletics, um, left, left the army and continued that, uh, that, that momentum, tried to do a few triathlons, cycling, I'm running, as I've mentioned, and, and also a little bit of, of, of rugby at a, at a late age, which was, was a, probably a mistake with hindsight. So much more than a career, isn't it, being in the army? Yeah. So how would you consider yourself as far as fitness? Um, I, I would consider myself to be A1, as they say in the in the military. Um, I always felt that I was pretty uh, pretty bulletproof, both you know physically, mentally, didn't envisage that I would necessarily be be in A and E one September morning, um, being being told that I was having a heart attack. We'll talk about your story and more about that in a moment. But how widely held, Colin, do you think the view is that if you consider you're fitter than the average person and you feel in peak condition and you're staying extremely active, as you seem to, that you really don't need to worry about heart related issues? Yeah, I, I think the the ego there and and the perception that you're bulletproof and um, particularly as you go as you transition from your 40s to your 50s and you think do you know what i can still do everything that i did when i was 20 it, it 
you know, that's positive from a kind of keeping yourself mentally engaged. It's, it's very, very positive. But to, to ignore any physical signs of, of slowing down or, you know, any, any pain or, or anything that might be an early indicator is, is, is an error, an error in judgment. And for me, it's really about um, listening to, to, to your body and, and the expertise and data that exists. So let's go back to 2018, Colin, first of all. Tell us your story. So in 2018, I was going for a routine uh, medical through the company I was working for um, at the time. And, you know, long story short, the doctor in her examination sort of piped up and said, has anyone ever told you you've got a a flutter in your heart? Um, And I said, no. I knew from earlier kind of medicals, again, that I'd had through my company, that my cholesterol was was a little bit higher than it needed to be. But I'd been told at that time that, you know, you can probably manage that through your diet, or if you want, I could recommend that you're prescribed statins, which I ignored. I didn't think that I needed to take uh, medication. So this was a couple of, a few years, actually, maybe three or four years before 2018. So... There I am being potentially told that there's a flutter which needed a bit more investigation. Uh, Long story short, it transpired that I had a bicuspid aortic valve, meant to be a tricuspid valve, but the cardiologist at the time felt that maybe two of the cusps had maybe fused together. And this was maybe an early indication of some sort of, um, you know, heart disease or or potentially a, a, a defect. But, but nevertheless, it was fine. Um, I still felt okay, carry on as normal, and we'll keep an eye on that valve. I, I guess probably with hindsight, and, and maybe we'll come back to this, maybe the offer of statins earlier in my, in my life might have, uh, might have helped things a little bit in terms of where we end up, and I'm sure we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Can I just ask then, Colin, how successful was your diet management in bringing down your cholesterol level? Well, I guess that's an interesting point, Rob, because my diet wasn't bad uh, anyway. Um, I've been married for for 30 years and me and my wife don't eat um, unhealthy food and we're not big meat eaters. We certainly don't have a lot of fried food. So so actually, all I eliminated from my diet at the time was uh, the the odd packet of crisps that I would have with my sandwich at at lunchtime. It it did work, actually, funnily enough. My, My cholesterol did come down but probably more to around about five or six than under four where it really needed to be. So let's go forward two years then to 2020. Yeah. So 2020, um, again, we're uh, September after well, the summer of COVID, let's call it that. Um, I, I've been trying to, to, to stay fit throughout that period. I was using my terrible trainer cycling in, in my garage. As I say, I'd... I'd um, had three three rides that week on on my static bike and uh, and I'd been feeling pretty awful and I thought maybe it was COVID. Um, uh, I was really sweaty, absolutely exhausted uh, throughout the exercise and afterwards. Uh, note the fact that I didn't stop. My, my mind was still going. Yeah, you, you can you can power through this. You you'll get better. I had the opportunity, um, as, as were the rules at the time of COVID, to, to be able to go out for a cycle on the Sunday. So I, went, I met a small group of, of cyclists, um, socially distanced, of course, 
and we set off for our Sunday cycle. And after about a mile, um, I, I just couldn't keep up. Now, I'm not normally at the front of the, the, the crowd, but to be dropped after a mile was uh, was definitely a bit of a surprise. And, and one of the guys came back and said, are you okay? You look awful. And I said, yeah, 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 no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But you guys go ahead. So I, I carried on uh, my cycle. I phoned my wife and said, look, I'm not feeling great. I'll try and rendezvous with you because I knew she was out for a short cycle as well. And um, I did end up doing 32 miles rather stupidly. I rendezvoused with my wife and we, we, we got back home okay. But by this time, I was really genuinely feeling like a very old man. And we went out for a walk again. I just honestly couldn't lift one foot in front of the other. But I guess the interesting thing is, and this is an important point, and, and I've listened to some of the other ticker tips and people sharing their experiences. This was not a chest-clutching thing I, mm. I, I wouldn't have thought for one minute that I was having having a heart attack mm-hmm. now the interesting symptom really interesting symptom that I was getting when my heart rate was pushing to about 120 beats a minute was my jaw my jaw was bizarrely aching um, and a little bit of pain in my neck and obviously quite a lot of breathlessness but each time I stopped and my heart rate dropped I felt okay again so I would I would carry on but this, these symptoms progressively uh, got worse. But as I say, at no point was I kind of lying on the floor or the sofa clutching my, my chest. It wasn't until probably 24 hours later on the Tuesday, so this was after the Sunday, and I got up and I, I was going to take the dog for a walk, and I couldn't, I couldn't even bend down to p- put my boots on. And my wife said, right, that's it, I'm taking you to, to A&E. So that's where the kind of journey began. I'm on my way uh, in in my wife's car to to A&E thinking, God, I really hope something is wrong with me. Because again, bizarrely, the symptoms weren't, it wasn't chest clutching. It wasn't agony. I I do get on to what the the doctor asked me in (laughs) A&E. So you you arrive at A&E at the hospital. What's the reaction when they saw you? Well, the, the doctor, he looked at me straight away. And this is the first indication that even could be a heart attack. He said to me, he said, well, I don't think you're having a heart attack. Really? Just just, just from looking at me. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll have you out of here in, in a couple of hours. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the tests. Now, being an organised guy, I understand you'd taken printouts from a previous ECG, hadn't you, with you to the hospital? That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... So they did the ECG and he came back in looking a little bit more concerned than when he'd left me after telling me he, he didn't think I was having a heart attack. And he said, do, do, you, do you have a copy of a, an old ECG in, in that paperwork that you've got there? So I proudly produced my, my ECG and um, he went away, came back again. Minutes later, he said, yeah, that doesn't look right. We think you're having a heart attack. Um, so th- they hadn't even done blood tests at, at this point or, or, or not not that I was aware of. So so that was it quite literally. Um, I, I didn't really even have time to register what, what he was saying. I, but what I did feel, again, possibly bizarrely, was a bit of relief that it was something because I didn't want to kind of, I, I, I thought it was something. I didn't think it was a heart attack, but I was almost relieved that I could explain it. 
but but then of course I had to um, contact my wife. <laughs> um, so what was just to remind us then exactly what was explained to you at that point in terms of your condition and and what was done as a result? Well, literally um, in in A and E, it was we think you're having a heart attack, and you know I was instantaneously whistled upstairs to to the cath lab at the Great Western Hospital in Swindon, who were superb and were already um, suited and booted as soon as I got into to the place. It was like pulling into a Formula One pits, you know, with people buzzing around me, and um, then it was straight into the, the theatre or the cath lab. And, um, you know, again, for me, the, the speed with which everything happened, it didn't really sink in. Uh, they, they, they do a small incision in my wrist and in, in goes the, the, the catheter um, with, um, you know, the, the, the stentor. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but certainly they, they, they go in and, and they take a look um, to find that I had two, my circumflex artery and my right coronary artery were both blocked. How do you remember feeling at that point? Um, physically or, or mentally, I suppose both. Both, um, really? I guess slightly surprised, um, but very calm, actually, in, in the sense that the utterly amazing science and technology that, that we're presented with in terms of resolving this you know at no time did I feel like there and and, and not really until afterwards till I kind of played back what had happened at no time did I really feel um that that you know when everyone says you're 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 having a heart attack at no time did I feel that I was on death's door if that makes sense but there was there was one moment of course when they were putting the stents in where my kind of blood pressure and heart rate dropped quite dramatically not sure what the medical term is for that, but I, I needed uh, an injection of um, atropine, and they decided then at that point not to stent circumflex artery. They just stuck with the right coronary artery, mm. which is significant for, for later on in, in the conversation. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by simply going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now back to the conversation. Colin, tell me about your recovery. How was it? Were you able to get back to running and cycling again? Yeah, I mean... The, the recovery straight away. In fact, a couple of days afterwards, the the, the, the indicators of of, um, of the, the heart were, were all good, and I got straight back into the rehabilitation as soon as, as soon as I got home. Maybe maybe a week or so um, before I started doing the gentle exercises. I guess the another interesting observation in terms of being a relatively young person having a heart attack is that the rehabilitation whilst it was fabulous and probably the right thing for me to do it was all video based and online based and I feel the average age was about 75 or 80 years old of the people in those re- rehabilitation uh, exercises but um, you know nevertheless you know I, I ploughed through that managed to, to to get back out cycling and running again um, and, and feeling good feeling good 
Now, being the sort of guy you are, you know your body, you listen to your body, you knew that things weren't right after a period of time, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I went out for a run one morning. So this is March uh, so, you know, after the September. So we're, we're probably six months, six or seven months on. And again, I was beginning to feel the symptoms that I'd felt before, you know, the neck and the jaw. Um, I thought it was because it was a cold morning. So I kind of left it at that for, 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 for a little while. I, I then car- carried on running and, and those symptoms were still continuing. So I got back in touch with, uh, with the cardiac, cardiologi- cardiologist in Swindon. And I said, look, I'm not feeling right still um, when I'm exercising. They took me back in, did an echocardiogram and various tests and said, no, you're fine. Um, in fact, one, one of them did say, well, if there is something wrong with you, it's not your heart. So I thought, okay, we'll, we'll carry on. And I carried on, still still no improvement. Then I had my routine. Remember, I've mentioned my valve earlier. I had the routine valve check. So I thought, I'm going to mention this to the cardiologist. I'm still not feeling, you know, top. And, and, and I'll be fair, I was trying to push myself. So, you know, I could have carried on if I just wound back a little bit. But mm-hmm. it still just didn't feel right from a kind of, athlete perspective I was trying to listen to my body and it was almost like I was hitting a brick wall again at 120 beats a minute so I mentioned it to the cardiologist and he, again he said look I'm sure you're fine but just to reassure you and to reassure me we'll do a stress test which consists of running on a treadmill or walking on a treadmill and being tested for blood pressure and ECG at the, at the same time. I did actually turn up for the stress test in my shorts and trainers, and the nurse said, oh, you won't be needing those. We're only going to make you walk. But I said, well, it's only when I run that this happens. Um, but we went with it, and just as we got to the outside limits of the top tier of the test, I felt the symptoms come on. So I told the cardiologist who was there, and he went, oh, yeah, that, that's not right. Your blood pressure's just plummeted. So again, I felt relief that we'd kind of found something uh, and, and, and I felt relieved I'd been persistent in terms of, of, of insisting that things weren't right. So what was the conclusion there, Colin? What were, you, what were you told and what happened as a result? Well, again, I was referred back to, um, well, it, it was private this time. And again, one thing I would say is if you're not convinced, then, you know, for the sake of a few hundred pounds to go and get that test it's it was well worth doing but um yeah i i, I was referred back to one of the cardiologist colleagues um dr mckenzie in, in bath and they uh, made an appointment for me to go in for a for an angiogram and as soon as they went in they saw that uh, my left descending artery had um some very severe narrowing and blocking at the top of that that artery again which would explain why um, I was getting the symptoms. I was getting under under load. It sounds as though the message coming across loud and clear is that by being insistent, you knew something wasn't right. You knew your body. Um, that was vital in finding out exactly what was wrong. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I could have just accepted that that was my new world. And in fact, that was the challenge that I was, I kept going back to cardiologists with it. Is this my new world? I, I can't revert to what I was doing pre, pre-heart attack, which I would have understood. I really would. Um, but the cardiologist said, no, 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 you should, you should be okay. You should be okay. But to insist to get the stress test, I think that was the key to unlocking it. Otherwise, 
you know, I wouldn't be back to, to where I am now for, for certain. And, you know, I guess we're in new te- te- territory for 50-somethings who still want to push themselves relatively hard from a from a exercise and um, physical activities. You know, m- make sure you do understand your body and you, you know what, what, what might be in there and and insist if you're not feeling right don't ignore it don't let the ego take over how's your condition now colin what are you what are you able to do and to what extent well i actually feel better than i felt back in 2018 i, I genuinely feel terrible charged i keep i keep saying to people but but now um you know i'm genuinely i'm not as fit as i was but because I'm, I'm taking it a little bit easier reading lots of books on how I should be treating my 55-year-old body rather than pretending that I'm 25. But yeah, it's that last stent has has really done the trick and, and kind of long may it continue. And when you've reached out along the journey for support, who are you most grateful to? Well, yeah. I mean, clearly, uh, my wife for taking me to A&E that morning uh, and all of the uh, NHS cardiologists in Swindon, because, you know, without them, I probably wouldn't be here. There is so much material as well from from the British Heart Foundation. And and it's amazing the resources uh, that are out there. I mean, kind of refer anybody, even if you don't have um, any cardiac issues, if you're over 45 and you're looking to maybe take on new activities or push yourself a little bit harder, marathons or triathlons, have a look at, you know, what you should be looking out for in terms of signs and, you know, also, you know, know where you are. Um, If you have had a cholesterol test and your cholesterol is high, uh, you know, or you've had high blood pressure, then don't ignore it. Go and speak to your GP and tell them what you're trying to do. And also don't ignore, I would say, I'm no specialist, I would say don't ignore the offer of statins because, you know, in terms of managing that, that hidden time bomb that is cholesterol, I, I think it's probably vital. Well, some important messages coming over loud and clear there, Colin. Finally, uh, how would it encourage you in a sort of ambassadorial sense to further the message to the wider community? I'd like to be positive about my experience because I'm still here um, and there are so many, you know, fit 40, 50 somethings who are not as a result of having cardiac failures. I want people to push on and, and, and enjoy their life, but absolutely listen to, to the body. Um, I, I think there's probably more that we can do for ourselves. There's lots of data around, you know, heart rate monitors that do your ECGs. There's um, I'd like to see maybe more screening at, at, at gyms. Maybe there's some form of accreditation that we could push for, for, for gyms to be able to give 40, 50-something athletes a bit of a screening, um, not necessarily to, to diagnose, but just to make people aware. But probably the most important thing is, is accept that we're in an uncharted territory at the age of over 50, because I don't think any generation before us has tried to push themselves physically like we do, uh, you know, uh, in terms of marathons, triathlons, cycling, veteran champions of whatever you might you might <laughs> like to, to embark on. Well, Colin, on that note, can I say thank you so much for sharing your story with us? It's my pleasure. Thank, thank you for listening. 
If you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health, and you'd like to speak to a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, just go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash hearthelpline, where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them, their friends and family that we produce the podcast. If you'd like to tell your own heart story, or you have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing thetickertapes at bhf.org.uk.